Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Love Gilda opens a unique window into the honest and whimsical world of the beloved performer Gilda Radner, whose greatest role was sharing her story. Working with the Radner estate, Lisa Diapolito unearthed a collection of diaries and personal audio and videotapes documenting her childhood, her comedy career, her relationships, and ultimately her struggles with cancer. These never-before-seen or heard footage and journal entries form a narrative spine to the documentary Love Gilda, allowing Gilda to tell her own story through laughter and sometimes tears. And we're joined today by the director of this terrific, wonderful, just uh, heartwarming new documentary called Love Gilda. And uh, that would be Lisa Diapolito. Lisa, welcome to film school. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It is what I just said. It's such a warm film to watch. Tell our audience a little bit about how you um, decided to move forward with a documentary about Gilda Radner. Well, I always knew about Gilda, and I knew her characters from Saturday Night Live, and I knew you know her place in in comedy and how many you know females that she's she's and male uh, comedians that she's influenced. But a, about eight years ago, I started working at Gilda's Club, volunteering and producing and creating all their fundraising videos. And Gilda's Club is a place for people with cancer. The one I went to was the one in New York City, and it was founded by Gene and his friends after Gilda passed away from ovarian cancer. You walk into Gilda's Club, and the spirit of Gilda is all around you. There's murals of her. So then I started to read her book, It's Always Something, which is her, mostly about her journey with cancer, but it was also her life story. And I just thought that she had a really different and unique legacy, not just in the world of comedy, but because of these Gilda's Clubs and because the members of Gilda's Clubs are so connected to um, Gilda and her journey, because their journey is her journey, I just thought she really had a really good story to tell. I think that's great. It, I mean, that sort of perspective that you're coming into this project with is n- not about Gilda, the funny, the comedian, the, the, uh, the actor, but coming into it as Gilda, this person who who showed a tremendous amount of resolve and bravery in the face of uh, a, a numerous bouts with cancer, and that comes across. I just want to once again say the sort of warmth of of Gilda Radner and 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 your perspective on her is something that really drives this film. Um, once you sort of started working on those projects through the Gilda's Club, uh, what was the next step in terms of sort of, uh, you know, making uh, this come to life, this project come to life? Did you meet with representatives from her estate, family members? How did you sort of begin that process? Well, Gilda's Club connected me to Alan Zweibel, mm-hmm. and Alan Zweibel was Gilda's, both Gilda's writing partner on Saturday Night Live and her truly good friend, him, um, and once I got connected to them, they were like, well, come over and interview me and my wife, Robin. And so it kind of started really quickly mm-hmm. in the sense that I just started shooting 
um, I shot their interview kind of a couple days after I thought about maybe doing a documentary. And they were amazing and really gave me a good sense of what Gilda was like as a friend, as a performer, um, what she went through with cancer. So that was that was sort of the easy start. But then after that, it took it took several months to really get other people from Gilda's life, especially her brother Michael Radner, who's the executive of her estate. It took a while to um, to have people trust me enough to be interviewed for the film. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of a quick start. And then a little bit of a, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And at this point, this was just sort of a hobby. Mm-hmm. This wasn't never kind of meant to be a big major documentary. So that's kind of how it started. Was the sense of re- reticence on the part of Michael Radner, was it just the sort of the pain of going, because of reliving that part of her life? Or, or was this just a sort of this protection that she, uh, protective vibe that she, he has for, for Gilda? <laughs> A little bit protection. There yeah. had been some TV movies about Gilda, like mm. an E Hollywood story, mm. and there were other little doc. They were, you know, more TV documentaries than like a feature doc, but there were stories about her before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, her fr- her friends and Michael had already told their story also. So it was really, and it, it is really trust because it's trust and also bringing up the past. People in Gilda's life adored her and loved her and were so devastated by um, when she passed away mm-hmm. that in some ways it opens up old wounds to sort of talk about her. And um, so that was a little that was a little bit getting people to trust me and also knowing that I was coming from maybe a different point of view. I, I wasn't. I didn't want to know about how at that point, you know, I didn't want to know why, you know, how much, why Rosanna Rosanna Dana was so amazing. I wanted to know who Gilda was as a, I really wanted to know her as a person. Was it Michael who brought to you the, this trove of recordings and diaries? Is that, was he the person who sort of opened that door for you? Because it provides this remarkable kind of backstory and context for, for Gilda's life, it really is a it's, it's a wonderful part of this this film. It, yeah, I mean that was a couple years into the process. Okay. So, you know, originally I was just going to finish the film and have it as a fundraising um, video for Gilda's Club, and I knew Michael had I knew he had like things of Gilda's, but I didn't know exactly what he had. He had some boxes of hers. So um, finally, Gil's best friend Judy and I were able to convince Michael to let us look and see what was inside those boxes. And he really didn't even have any idea mm. because they had been, you know, sent to sent to his mother many years ago after Gil passed away. So the, that's sort of how it started. And then there were all these boxes, and there was amazing stuff inside. Yeah, there is some amazing things in there. Those audio recordings of her. Uh, uh, contemporaneous recordings of hers going through her, as she moves through her life are wonderful. They bring her to life uh, and and make this documentary something that is it's uh, it cuts right to it. I mean, you have her um, <laughs> you have her telling you telling us about her life, which is just amazing. And and there is this kind of thread in her life where she was one of the few performers that I can think of in the world of comedy 
whose calling card was vulnerability. She was a very vulnerable performer. Not only she was physically vulnerable, her performances really sort of, you, you, the, her body language, what she did with her body in terms of just how she, she, was, she acted on stage, what she said, how she said it, more than almost anyone I can think of right off the top of my head, she, this is sort of, that was what she was about. And these recordings reinforce that notion of that, this honesty and vulnerability. Is that a fair assessment of, of her? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple things in there. So the the audio the audio is made up of of several different sources, and Gilda had recorded for her book uh, several like several tapes, and they were very damaged. But once I heard Gilda kind of talking in her own voice, that was kind of the mission to to supplement it with other interviews and find places where Gilda's voice was because there's many. I don't know, backtrack. I mean, you can go on CBS or ABC and you can look at some of the interviews and they feel like interviews that Gilda did. I don't think she was ever really comfortable with being interviewed by a host, but I was able to find some amazing audio um, interviews that she did, kind of like just what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. There was one from uh, these students from the University of Michigan who went to SNL and they interviewed her. And it was such great source material because Gilda felt so comfortable with them. So it was really, so I'm glad it all worked out with her voice because that was really my, my goal was for able for Gilda to tell her story and her, her words. And then in terms of vulnerable, I mean, she was a mix of everything, I think. Mm-hmm. She just loved, like, she loved performing and she loved people. I think that, you know, you can see the zest of, yeah. of, or when she's with talking to an audience, when she's performing in a sketch. And um, it was really important for her to have people laugh. Also, from what writers have told me, she was just amazing to work with. Because even if, if something wasn't working in a sketch, she was able to kind of turn it around and make it funny. Yeah. Yeah. The way that she would go for laughs, and again, this is a gift, um, enthusiasm she has for performing was something I think that you, you you were rooting for her in every yeah. skit she was in. You wanted you were you wanted her to be funny, you were expecting her to be funny, but at the same time there was this sort of uh, connection that, you know, you really you wanted this come on, you can make this work and <laughs> you have there's a small clip of her with uh, Lorraine Newman as uh, Howdy Doody's wife, and you know, it's sort of an example of a, a, a skit that wasn't working with the audience, with people just not laughing. But she had that sort of that that energy that she brought to it that just yeah makes it hilarious and it, and that's I think that was really her gift was this ability to to uh, for the audience to she connected so quickly with an audience and then that sort of feedback from the audience as, as she's real time feedback and in encouraging her to go for it I guess is one way of putting that but. Uh, um, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director of the new film, new documentary film called Love, Gilda, Lisa Diapolito. And um, yeah. one of the things in the film that I thought was particularly touching was people like Bill Hader, Melissa McCarthy, Amy Poehler. Um, them actually, they actually had these, these diaries, these journals. 
and their reaction to that, which I just, I mean, again, that's sort of what I'm talking about, this sort of, oh, it's, it, it's, it's Gilda. Um, that, that's a fun part of the film. It's, uh, tell me a little bit about just sort of enlisting some of these people who we all know in, in being a part of this. Well, it was always important to me. Um, the film, even from the beginning, even though it changed um, once I got all the original materials of Gilda, it was always about legacy and about how Gelda is still sort of with us in so many different ways today. Mm-hmm. Both, you know, of course, through Gilda's Club, which was my original um, uh, experience with that, but then going online and reading about so many comedians talk about Gilda as their inspiration for what they did. So I, I felt like she really had a big place in comedy. And in some ways, when I was trying to put the film together, there was a lot of pushback from people saying, well, no one really knows who Gilda is, Radner is anymore. And I always thought, like, that's not, there's so many people who do know, maybe not a younger generation, but there is, her place in comedy history was really important to me. So the last, so I didn't interview um, what we call the modern-day comedians, like Amy Poehler or Melissa McCarthy or Maya Rudolph, until I had Gilda's story down pat. And I wanted to add them to the story just for two, in two ways, to really show Gilda's place in comedy yeah. and how maybe she was, in, she was influenced by Lucille Ball and, and a new generation is, is influenced by Gilda. And then that new generation like Amy and, it, and Melissa and Maya are, are influencing another generation now. Yeah. So I wanted to, um, that was important to me. Also, I had some fun journals. Um, in terms of the journals, it was sort of interesting how to use them. So there's a lot of real personal stuff that we put in the film, that we and we use it, animation to tell that part of Gilda's story. Mm-hmm. So it was her voice. But there was also funny stuff that, you know, she had a whole journal about fame and how she was dealing with fame. And she would just write little notes, like, just thoughts. Like, yeah. there's one in the film on a post-it note that says, you look different in real life. So I thought it would be really interesting to see how the actors would, I thought they could definitely identify with what it was like to to be recognized and be famous. So I kind of, I brought, brought the books along, the journals along to kind of get their, their take on that. But the reverence uh, they had for the material was amazing. Like the first person I interviewed was, with Amy was Amy Poehler, who was wonderful in every 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 sense. You know, such so much the spirit of Gilda, as they all are. That oh, I think this wonderful positiveness. I took out Gilda's journal, and uh, she's like, "Is that Gilda's journal?" And then she went for it, and I just gave it to her. And that was that happened with everybody. Once they saw it was really her, her. You know, it was. I had spent about a year with the journal, so. They became second. They became source material for me, so I forgot what it was like when I first read them and discovered them. Yeah, and it is the closest you can get to being with to Gilda. Yeah, and I, I love the little anecdote that uh, Amy Poehler talked about, where um, well, she, there was a story she's reading, and it was, oh, this is a period story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, pretty funny. I mean, that's one of those things, and and then. Um, and then uh, I just love the fact that she, she basically said, "Look, we, wa- I, me, and my assistant, we watch all the the Gilda Radner bits from Saturday Night Live, and we pretty much just try to be 
Gilda in, in her own way. And I mean, Amy is an amazing uh, performer, an amazing comedian. So it's no disrespect for, uh, but it's just, it was, it was a wonder, a wonderful kind of um, uh, uh, talking point for her to bring that up in the context of, you know, her admiration for, for Gilda. So it, there, yeah, there's just so much about this film that you, you uh, it, it's such a uh, wonderful watch on that level. It's just a, you know, sort of a, in some ways a trip, a trip down memory lane, but also the arc of her life story, the, this, the, the triumphs and the tribulations. She, she, uh, she went through a lot in her life and we have not talked too much about her, her early life with a, a, a father and a father was a little older when she was born who adored her. She had, uh, Gibby, who was her... Her nanny. Her, her nanny. nanny. Her nanny. Oh, I thought there yeah. was a, uh, an actual familial connection. So her nanny, Gibby, who who didn't quite... It just sounded like a wonderful person in her life. Who, yeah. who who just uh, who adored her, and, uh, and, and obviously she she had a close relationship to her father. And um, that's just... Uh, there's so many things about the movie that are so engaging and so so illuminating about her and um i i yes it's a wonderful film what's been sort of the the reaction that surprised you about the film uh from people that either knew her or maybe didn't or were not familiar with her there that's probably two different questions but there've been something about sort of the reaction to the film that uh, has been heartening and maybe surprised you a little bit well on the good side that wasn't all her good friends seem to love the film. Good. And I've seen it several times yeah. and supported it. So that was really, really important. And Michael um, Radner, Gilda's brother, who supported the film in every every way you can imagine, really liked the film. So that was important. What I love, and I thought it's a little surprising, but I didn't think it's really surprising. Most of the audience for the film, it has been people who remember Gilda. It's an older demographic of people going to, um, who remember her. But the young people who are seeing the film, who never ever heard of her, really like it. Like, really love her. To me, that's, that's something really powerful. Because it makes her more than just, sorry, I'm getting emotional. It's, it yeah. makes her more than just nostalgia. It makes her, you know, a person who stands on her own. Um, even without the nostalgic factor to it. So that's, that's been something that I love. So I hope more um, younger audiences watch her, well, watch Love Gilda. Right. This gives us a chance to talk about currently the film is on the VO, many of the VOD platforms and also goes into a DVD release the first of the year. It's January, what'd you say, January 1st? First. Yeah. yeah. goes into a DVD and then it will eventually uh, find its way onto uh, cable with uh, the CNN platform. Will be will be eventually running it. But see, this is. So, well, well, no, I'm sorry, just interrupt. Just no, CNN will be January first also. Okay, January first as well. Okay, uh, so yeah, it's just a. I believe that, and I believe this will have. This is the kind of film that will have a long life. It'll have some shelf life at, uh, for people who will. Who will be discovering Gilda for the first time? I think you're absolutely right about that. I'll just end w- with this. It's another wonderful part of the film is her relationship with Gene Wilder. Another big fan of Gene Wilder's work, and he seemed like uh, such a open and loving person, a genuinely nice person, and it certainly comes across in the film. 
and the support he provided her for the last years of her life. It just seems uh, almost like a fairy tale. I, I may be exaggerating slightly, but it feels like it watching the film. I don't even know if I have a question. It's just a wonderful part of the film. <laughs> I was able to spend a day with Jean a year before he passed away. And so it gave me a really good insight. He had had, um, and he wasn't well, yeah. and he had some um, uh, cognitive issues going on, which is pretty, pretty public knowledge now. But I got a sense of who he was, and he was a gentle, funny, even though everyone was telling me he's not super funny in real life, but I found him funny. Charming, handsome. I could just see why Gilda loved him so much. Yeah. Like he was, and they, and, and, quirky like her like so I could just imagine what it was like the two of them together yeah certainly feels like they would be kindred spirits having uh just they just you know both of their work is very genteel the the, they were I never had the sense of either one of them being sort of a hard-edged sort of comedian it was all about the laugh, getting the laugh. I mean, Gene Wilder's work is unbelievable in terms of his film career. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Willy Wonka, so many films where he was just a spectacularly good actor and a very funny presence in his films. And Gilda as well does the same thing. They just feel like they would be, they would be so, they would be loving towards one another. They just seems like they, would, <laughs> they seem like a good match. Is that? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was also in the film is um, Jordan, who is Jean's nephew, um, who had who lived with Gilda and Jean on weekends and summers. So I got a good insight from uh, his point of view, and he said that they were very opposite, but they brought they brought things to each other's life. Like in the film, it, it you know, even though. I mean, I think she's beautiful, and audiences love her smile. She never felt pretty. And I think Jean brought a sense of, of beauty to her life and a sense of, of how to live life as a, you know, as a famous person. I mean, they made dinner together and played board games with their friends, and they had a real normal life, hmm. which was very different than the SNL era. But also, um, Gilda brought fun to Jean's life. You know, she was quirky and fun and, and uh, spontaneous. So I think, you know, that, you know, you never know what relationships are really like, but I just know from Gilda's audio and her journals, she just adored him. Well, the film is Love, Gilda. As we said, it'll be, it's currently on uh, many of the VOD platforms. You can check it out there. Starting January 1st, the DVD will be available. It'll also be screening on CNN. And check this out. It's just you're, it's a wonderful look into the life of a terrific performer and a genuinely good human being in the person of Gilda Radner. I want to thank you so much, Lisa Diapolito, for being here on Film School. The, uh, the, it's a wonderful watch, and I hope for your next project, whatever that might be, uh, please come back. I'm, I'm certain uh, it would be a good time. <laughs> I'll be back in a year and a half or two years. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Thank you it so much. As you. well. Thank you so much for being here. Again, the film is Love Gilda. We've been speaking with Lisa Diapolito. Thank you. Yeah. 
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.